1: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com.
2: Hello everyone and welcome to Loose Units Loose Ends, the weekly spin-off podcast where me and my dad are meant to be talking about true crime, but because it's a spin-off we can talk about whatever we like. Although this week we do have a story that is slightly crime related. Dad, how are you doing this morning? Can I tell people that I'm in Thailand? Of course, I think people know, but yes, uh, you're in Thailand right now. Back over here, things have gotten a little bit weird. Dad, at about 11 o'clock last night, we heard sirens. And we live quite close to Pran uh, Railway Station over in Melbourne. And we heard sirens, and you know, you hear sirens here occasionally, Dad. You just, you hear them and you kind of put them out of your mind, because we also live quite near the Alfred Hospital. So, you know, there's just going to be emergency vehicles occasionally. And then we heard more sirens, and that was odd. And so I'd, it was about, you know, yeah, ten thirty eleven o'clock, and we're winding down, and we're both reading in bed, and I thought, I'm going to go and check what that is. So I went to the window, and the first thing that I saw was uh, red and blue lights filling the apartment. So I immediately... You know when you hear a siren, Dad, and then it suddenly stops right outside where you live? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. In that case, you're like, well, obviously something's gone wrong immediately here. So the train station sometimes has assaults and things happening, so I thought, look, it's it's that... And I walk outside, and there is a really, really beautiful uh, warehouse, like a very old, beautiful warehouse right near us, pretty much across from us. Hmm. And there was smoke pouring out of it. Now, at this point, I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. And then I saw three fire engines, one of which was pulling into the car park at the front of the warehouse. And then I saw a ladder truck. And then two police cars arrived. And things just escalated from there wow so this uh, is, is it a vacant factory yeah so warehouse? It, yeah it's like a big beautiful kind of repurposed old I think it's like a like a jam factory or a mm. kind of some sort of like turn of the century thing that they've turned into a bunch of offices and since COVID has happened I think it had to kind of shut down I have a sneaking suspicion the uh, people who own the, the property um, are desperate to sell it to developers anyway mm. that might figure in later yeah. but for now, yeah, no one's in there. In fact, it had actually been boarded up a couple of days ago. So when, we, well, when I went out to the window, I started to hear this strange noise and I couldn't figure out what it was. It sounded like sawing, like someone's... like I, like can, threw- I can imagine what that was. Okay, what, what do you think it was?
3: I would say it's the fire brigade mm-hmm. using a petrol-driven, high-powered, circular, massive saw... Yeah, and they're using that to cut
2: more than likely through steel to gain access. That's that's an opinion. Okay, because when we walked past this morning, one of the big boards, the big thick timber boards that was across, just like a single piece of timber across the double where the double doors were. Because basically, what's been happening is, um, kind of shitheads have been breaking in every night, smashing windows, graffitiing the place, and just kind of you know tooling around. And so they just put these huge timber kind of boards in front of the doors, and the firemen had actually sawed a kind of person-shaped hole mm. through the timber so they could get in. Mm. But there's also a stair kind of like a staircase going along the, the side of the building that faces us up to I would say the second story, and there's a small kind of like a emergency exit, but it's mm. a big metal door. Yep. And we heard hammering, and they were also trying to bust through that one. Mm. And then the strangest thing happened, Dad. There have been many times throughout loose units where you have told people to find out where the hydrants are in their local area. Yeah? Yep, yep. And what, what's your rationale for that? Why did you think that was such an important thing to do? Okay, when the when the fire brigade, you know... what? So what time did this start to happen? Uh, well, apparently it started at 10.45. We got to it, I would say, about 10 past 11. Okay, cool. So it's fair to assume, based on...
3: You know my experience in the fire brigade, which was about ten, well, it was ten years. Mm. That's kind of the time. Dare I say it? When <laughs> God, when most fireys are tucked up into bed, ah. uh, just just getting comfy on their little pillows. Okay, things are pretty cool. They're you know they're kind of deep down looking forward to a quiet night until the bells go off. Okay, okay. So as they're heading towards this this. In this case, it's a big fire. Potentially, any large warehouse or factory has the potential to be absolutely massive and potentially burn for days. Mm-hmm. And they're very, very dangerous. And because of the height, you need aerial appliances so they can attack the fire from the roof, because invariably the roof collapses. Yeah, there's so many things. Whilst these fires are heading to the fire, they're they're gearing up. The guys in the back are getting their breathing apparatus. On which, as I've said in the past, is like trying to put scuba diver or scuba diving gear on standing up in a bus that's moving. I mean, it's really quite challenging. But the, 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 the most important thing for every single firefighter in the world is to get water. Now, it's nighttime, and it's possible that the hydrants, although I know that in Melbourne, which I think, and it's the same as in America, and also in, in Thailand, is that they have above-ground hydrants, which I think is so sensible because you've got a good chance of finding them as opposed to in New South Wales, Sydney, they're all underground and that's problematic, particularly at night time. So as a citizen, if there's a fire, it's always a good idea. It's a good idea anyway to know where the hydrants are, A, mm. so that you know where they are, but if you can run down and notify a hydrant or find one. And then as the fireys rock up, you can stand there. They'll catch you in their their headlights and you can point to the hydrant. And I'll tell
2: you what, you save a lot of drama. Well, to that end, Dad, I was looking out the window and there was a bit of a kind of... There was a lot of smoke in the air at this point, right? A lot Mm. of smoke. But through the smoke, I could see a bunch of fireys. I think they were arguing... Down by the uh, the the ladder the ladder truck, hmm. and I quickly realized why it's because there was no water in the truck, and they Are you they serious? only realised this yeah they realised this quite late they're like there's no water shit there's no water well, and I what, kind of
3: what, what you're saying is pre- pretty heavy.
2: Well, I think you no know, because you've talked about this before where sometimes you come from a fire and there's no and so they quickly were like shit we need a hydrant they got there almost immediately it was directly across from. The truck, so I didn't need to go down. They were looking around for it, and then someone kind of yelled and saw it, plugged it in, mm. and the water got going pretty fast. And at that point, there was a ladder with the hose in position above, yeah, because it's a two-story, oh, like a warehouse, so it's slightly bigger than two stories high. Mm. And they were, I would say, about three stories high in the ladder, yep. and then the water started really going, going nuts. Golly, Paul, and then- how exciting
3: for you! You had a bird's
2: eye view, didn't you? It was crazy. And then they ran the hose up the side, up the stairwell, and went in through that door. Fire is in. Two firemen? Uh, I could have sworn I saw three, but one of them may have just been there to help get the door open. And then based on the soaring at the front, I'm assuming they had someone in there as well. Wow. Uh, apparently, it took a couple of hours to go out. We we got to the point where it was about midnight, and we were like, well, you know, it's a, it's a school night. We need to get to sleep. Hmm. We couldn't sit there and watch the whole thing. But based on all the things i've told you dad mm. yep could you please talk me through some theories as to what you think happened and, and how <laughs> you think it happened talk because i've i've discovered a news article this morning tegan sent me this article in the papers which actually kind of sums up quite a bit of stuff but based on your knowledge as you know an investigator forensics firefighting general duties all that other stuff i want to see if you can deduce what you think happened here mm-hmm. <clears throat> well um Is it a historic building? It's semi-historic. I think the actual fronting of it, which runs for about half a city block, is very, very beautiful. But it sounds beautiful. Paul, um,
3: okay. So I'll throw a few theories in, bearing in mind that I know nothing about this particular case. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Um, Which I think is kind of cool. So there are lots of factors to consider. One of them is that Historically, if it's a historic building and you want to develop it, the, the the law states quite clearly under building sort of regulations that you must maintain the facade of the building to to keep the integrity of the historic significance, and that's that's a great thing, but it's unfortunately the case where developers. Um, to get around that, if if there's a fire and the fire brigade deem that the walls are unsound, then they will demolish the building. And it's a really, really great thing for the developers. It's a sad and sorry thing for the citizens of Melbourne in that they lose a beautiful historic building, often with the original sign writing on the exterior. I mean, there are some great examples in Sydney of very famous buildings and the paintwork from the 19th century has been preserved and it's a part and then they create these beautiful apartments or really trendy office spaces behind the facade and it's a win-win because you maintain the beauty of the street the historic significance but then when you enter through you know the the doors you can be taken into a 21st century contemporary um you know, s- surrounding, which I think it's a win. But for the de- for the developers, this means a lot of added expense in maintaining facades. So if there's a mysterious fire dwelling found to be unsuitable, ordered to demolish, it's, it's such a great thing for the developer because all of a sudden they've just got this site that they will bring in the bulldozers, clear the rubble, and there is a virgin site gotcha. with no... Um, no sort of dramas from a heritage perspective, but it's happened a few times in Sydney with some very notorious uh, criminals that get involved because, look, there have been some... I mean, the Juanita Nielsen, the woman that was murdered, apparently, she's never been found, that was all to do with developers. So, you know, there's big, big money at stake. Um, That's one theory. Of course, we also need to take into consideration the economic climate over the last few years, which has been dire um, internationally, and I, I know your suburb quite well. And I and we've gone into places like pop up shops, you know, and had nice coffees in your surrounds. Mm-hmm. But you just get a sense that things are not great, particularly if you're um, a real estate owner, where you just, you know, you've still got commitments. If you have a mortgage on the property, the bank's not going to say. You know, you don't need to make any payments for two or three years. That's folly. So you may decide to 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 sell and and if you're desperate well, there's also the insurance perspective if the yeah. building is insured or overinsured. But when the fire is rocked up last night, that aside from having to get water, which is absolutely critical, there's another thing to consider, Paul, and that is that whilst it may appear to be a locked building, you know, there is graffiti, there could be squatters, and they have to make sure there's no one inside the building.
2: Gotcha. So there's, okay, Yep. I, I hear you. And that makes sense, but there is something else that I haven't told you that I thought you might be interested in. Um, firstly, before we talk about that, can you describe the
3: smell of the smoke?
2: Uh, It was white smoke, mostly. Okay, now white
3: smoke generally means that they've got water on the fire.
2: Yeah, that's what I thought. Because I, I think they were kind of putting it out. I was just trying to start putting it out once I saw it. And then the smoke really got going once they were hosing. So that makes sense. Um, It uh, can, smelled... Can I sort of
3: tease... I mean, I don't want you to just tell me straight up the new bit of information. It's got me intrigued. So yeah, okay. can you sort of let me... Kind of work around it or maybe give me a a few hints.
2: I can give you a clue. Uh, It involved the police.
3: Okay, well, it's an arson.
1: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com
1: slash people today.
3: Okay. Okay, well, okay, the fire is, once the fire, assuming, I mean, what's the building like now?
2: We've walked past, there is a fire rescue vehicle parked out the front with a bunch of fireys on kind of um, plastic furniture and with a little kind of crisis station waiting out there. Maybe they're just kind of guarding it because technically speaking, it's still open. There and is also a... it
3: could be a crime scene.
2: Yes, exactly. Because exactly.
3: arson is a crime.
2: Yeah, yeah, thank God.
3: And, but if you go inside, if I, if I was to be able to sort of get inside today mm. and you would try and locate the seat of the fire... Which is where it started, yeah. Which is where it started, the epicentre. And if that was, for example, in the middle of sort of just a big floor with nothing electrical around, you would then look for signs of an accelerant. That's why I spoke to you about the smell, Mm -hmm. uh, because every fire emits a certain type of smell. Like a bushfire in the eucalyptus forests of Australia has a very, very unique smell. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a fire factory that sort of manufactures tires burning rubber is a very very specific smell a a chemical company um i mean was this building to your knowledge completely empty
2: i have no idea and we got to it kind of late but I, i do think the i do think this police thing is important to tell you so there's a retirement home directly across the road from this place and there's a bunch of kind of uh, and then there's the railway, the, the kind of railway, and there's a big sort of hill between the retirement village and the railway with lots of bushes on it. And when when I looked down, uh, in fact, we've got footage of this actually. There were two police officers who'd parked the paddy wagon almost on the tracks to stop cars crossing into the you know active scene, and the two of them had their flashlights out and were in the bushes behind, like between the uh, tracks and the retirement home sort of looking in the bushes and over the fence into the back of the retirement home. And then one of them ran around the front of the retirement home and was trying to get in the front door. What does that mean to you? Um, one of two things. <laughs>
3: I'll, be, I'll be struck down for well, one of An old theories. person at the fire? Well, yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yep, yep. No, I'm serious. Oh. Why not? Although gaining access is really interesting. Mm. Um, but obviously... It's a hazard, potentially, if the fire spreads. You need, you've got a major, major evacuation problem.
2: <gasps> oh, okay.
3: And you have to vacate the... Um, and, and, and smoke's not good for anyone. That's particularly not good for the elderly yeah. and infirmed. So, yeah, that's pretty important. Or, or did the police believe that it was an arson and the offender?
2: I mean, was there a crowd... There was some looky loos I guess I, I think what was potentially happening was um, there was a uh, bit of an interview going on between some of the cops and some people who were standing around. Mm. well uh, that'd
3: be sort of to find out whether they'd seen anything suspicious i'm I'm still intrigued, Paul um, as to I mean the nursing home thing is interesting, but i'm I'm a little bit sort of sort of um, if the is couldn't get into the building then how if it started by itself which is out of a hundred percent i would say fire starting by itself hmm, very very low Mm -hmm. my 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 feeling based on the information i've got so far is that i would definitely sway towards arson but then one has to ask oneself who had access to the property and how i mean how do they get out and then sort of shut everything down and and remember with an arson you know you're using an accelerant you just don't light a little piece of paper and walk away you need to Mm -hmm. make sure that it's going you want it to work you're you're only going to get one chance so you know it's 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 touch and go because arsonists do get killed as well when they use a little bit too much accelerant yeah. There've been some classic cases of people that have set fire to shops, and there's been an explosion, and you know, and they're fucked. They get blown across the road, or they get covered in petrol and just burn to death. Um,
2: yeah, so enlighten me, Paul. Okay. This is from uh, the 7 News website. This was published at 8 o'clock this morning. Vic Health, sorry, Vic emergency issues health warning after huge fire rips through pran building on Greville Street. A huge fire believed to have been started by a blowtorch has ripped through a multi-story building in a busy Melbourne area. The suspicious fire, there you go, broke out on Greville Street in Paran around 10.45 p.m., before emergency services were called, as flames took hold, Victoria Police said a man with a blowtorch was seen in the area and had fled before they arrived. So my thought, Dad, was that the police were searching kind of behind the bushes and in the building, and I thought, oh, if it's an arsonist, you know, like a like a pyromaniac, that is, then they might be hanging around to watch the, the fire. It, well, yes, that was my thought. Actually. Having a wank. Yeah, but I also turned to Tegan and said, I reckon this is an insurance job. Um, so I kind of had the same thoughts as you. i keep reading, though. It took two and a half hours for the more than 40 firefighters to bring the fire under control. Jesus. I don't know how he slept. After the fire was extinguished, a number of items were seized by police and a crime scene established. At about 12.45 a.m., a man turned up on the scene and was arrested. He is currently assisting police with their inquiries. The building was vacant at the time of the blaze and no one was injured. Due to the proximity to Pran... Train station, the fire halted services on the Sandingham line for most of the night. Train services resumed 5am. While the fire posed no threat to the community, Vic Emergency issued an advice message to anyone in the area sensitive to smoke. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Whilst I would really like some more info, specifically who this guy was, my thought, Dad, initially was, oh, the property developers couldn't sell because no one wants to buy in this volatile environment and they got lazy and they did what you said and they just wanted to kind of torch the joint basically but it looks like the fire is cuz we walked past it looks pretty structurally sound i mean it's an old building it's i think it's pretty well made it's a factory it's an mm. old factory mm. so i think what's potentially happened is cuz there's lots of new there were lots of new sort of um you know like prefab offices whacked in there so there's probably a lot of fibro and kind of chipboard and stuff mm. that went up pretty quickly Yep. And it's entirely possible the act the steel and the brick is fine. But, I mean, from a selfish perspective, we were worried because it's a stunning part of the Paran skyline. Mm. It's mm. a beautiful building. And, it, you know, it's kind of a national... It's like a local uh, icon. So if mm. it went, you know. Mm.
3: My, uh, my theory <coughs> is that the guy... Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is just a theory, okay? So <laughs> let's just put that out there. Yeah, because I'm very... I'm acutely aware that we're talking about something that's... Less than 24 years old. (laughs) 24 years old. Fuck. (laughs) Less than 24 hours old. (laughs) Yes. Well, technically um, it is less
2: than 20 years. Yes.
3: yes. Yeah, it is. But, um, Paul, okay. Remember how in so many of our great stories over the last few years, so many times the offender, Mm -hmm. not necessarily arson, although arson's a classic, the offender can't help but come back. The crime. To come back. Yeah. For, for lots of reasons. Primary reason is that they want to see how the job's done.
2: I mean they well, if you, was if it you're a working success? for someone. Yeah, if you're working for someone, right? If you've been paid to burn the building down, you burn it down, you set it alight with the blowtorch, you bugger off, some people have got a description of you you don't know that at that point. So you decide to come back later. Maybe you still see the smoke and you're like, oh shit. So in order to make sure the job is complete, you have to come by and do a bit of a recce. But at that point, if someone's seen you and said it was a guy in a blue turtleneck with a beard, right? At 12.45, there's still police around. And a mm. guy with a blue turtleneck and a beard walks across the road looking shifty, really checking it out. So they grab him. And then if he's been paid, is it better off for him if he then dobbs his employer in? Is that going to get hey. him some leeway?
3: <clears throat> um, yeah, they'll come to an agreement. Plea bargaining. But I think the blowtorch is kind of weird. I'd like to know a little bit more about that because a blowtorch is kind of either oxyacetylene, which is so dangerous, so explosive, plumbers use it, but it actually comes on a trolley with two different coloured cylinders, black and kind of a a sort of a light purpley mauve colour. Was the equipment still or inside the premises had it been planted there before, um, was he a tradesperson, plumber, gas fitter, working on the site, had access to the site, has come back utilising gear that was already in situ. It would look quite weird bringing that gear in at that time of night, although if I saw a guy bringing oxyacetylene into a a factory or an office at that time of night, I would make the assumption that it's an out-of-hours emergency repair job. He could be fixing a burst water main.
2: okay? And then he's buggered off because he's like, ah, shit, I burned a building down by accident. Yeah,
3: but the thing is, Paul, now that's a very, very good point, Paul. Um, It is possible that it was an accident. uh, And it could all come back full circle to the fact that the theory being that he was actually doing legitimate work, and that happens a lot where mm-hmm. tradesmen inadvertently cause a fire. And maybe he called Triple O. There are so many things, but if I saw a man carrying oxyacetylene with a polo necked jumper and a beard, I would call the police because that's just creepy. That that yeah. that mode of dress.
2: Yeah. Hang on, um, what, what's wrong with turtlenecks? Uh, Paul, they went out in the 60s. They're back in, baby. I find them very itchy. You get a good mustard turtleneck? Oof! <clears> I guess. Now, I,
3: ha- I haven't shaved, Paul, in more than seven days.
2: Okay, uh, I want you to kind of see this through. I would like you to not shave until you get back. Shave under the chin to kind of give a bit of a beard line. No, I'm but not I shaving. See, I want to see what you look like with the beard. you have to, enjoying know, Dad, it. You, ha- you have to kind of sculpt the beard as you go. Paul... You can't be one of those weird old dudes who thinks that using conditioner and hair product is somehow effeminate. Because honestly, you have amazing hair and you're wasting it. Mm. You are anyway, wasting your God-given talent.
3: I'll send some photos through when I get back. It'll be, a, it'll be five weeks without yeah, shading. Okay. Okay. And I'm kind of enjoying it. Um,
2: yeah. Look, let's report back to the listeners on this case. I'm going to keep kind of hitting refresh on this news story. We'll try and find out more as this story develops. It's been so weird occasionally being opposite a crime. You know, I mean, this is a this is arson. It was a it was a do with the blowtorch. We don't know why. We don't know how. Well, with the blowtorch. No, it's
3: fascinating. Uh, All will be revealed. But Paul, um, you know, this came out of the blue. This story this morning, but because just for the listeners, I had done a lot of research about another story that's really, really fascinating. Now, I know that we're going to be talking about Pete Ireland next uh, for next Tuesday's episode, aren't we? We are. Yes. Which is very exciting, but possibly the following. Loose ends. Mm-hmm. I would like to talk about an international assassination that's taken place here in Thailand, and it's a it's a mate. I will tell you, okay, I've got okay. copious notes. I've done a lot of research, but I must admit, this morning, I I've really enjoyed
2: today's episode. I'm so glad. Me too. It's we should. It's a whodunnit. <laughs> we should witness crimes more often. I think. Can I just say, Dad? I'm really enjoying this um, kind of this second part of the Shadow Files, because it feels like we've taken, you know, years and years of you and I working together and countless years of you working in the investigative field. And every week we're sort of applying those skills and that filter to real crimes that, mm. you know, that you weren't involved in. It seems mm. it seems like a really kind of nice logical progression. I'm really sad I didn't get to run over and tell these dudes where the hydrants were. Uh, I didn't have a chance to, but it would have been really nice because I could have taken a leaf out of your book and plugged the podcast. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm. No, but it's great, Paul. You've done it. You know, it's good. And you've got some very good footage. You might be able to put that up on Facebook.
2: Yeah, we'll get some photos and footage on the Facebook page for sure. In the meantime, everyone, have an absolutely incredible weekend. If anything goes on in your neck of the woods and you want to let us know, head across to facebook.com forward slash loose units. But in the meantime, have a great weekend, and we will see you soon for more Loose Units. Bye, everyone. Cheerio.